for the Beatitude series. Thank you, Brother Gary, for turning that up. Uh, as a reminder, all three sessions are recorded. They'll be online, uh, so you can go back and listen to the ones you didn't get to attend. Or if you'd like to rehear any of the sessions or, or all of them. A lot of good information um, in each of them, Brother Jordan, Brother Jonathan, uh, and in here. And uh, it's all for the edification of the church, perfecting of the saints. Giving during breakout sessions, we, we mention this each Wednesday. It's just a little bit different on Wednesday nights. There's not a usher up here at front, so you can give at the Truth Church Center app. And also at the end of service, there'll be an usher out the door, and you can give out there on the way out if you'd like to give either way. Um, our opening text, Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates of the city. Let's start with prayer for the three sessions, our offering, and uh, for the host of those that are in need of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this service. We thank you for a time of fellowship, a time that we can come together, Lord, united as one man in the street, that unity in your body, that unity in your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would cover each of these folks under the sound of my voice and all those that will listen to the recording and the playbacks and all that is for each of these three sessions. Put your hand on Brother Jonathan, Brother Jordan, and myself. Anoint our lips, anoint our hearts and our minds. And God, have your way in each of these breakout sessions. We pray, God, more than anything that you would seize control of our tongues, that you, God, would speak, and that it would be just simply a vessel to usher forth what thus saith the Lord. Let your name be exalted in these three sessions. Let your name be glorified with every giving of the tithe and the offering, whether it be on the Truth Church Center app or on the door with the usher going out. I ask you to bless the gifts, every tithe, every offering, all, Lord, for the transformed truth uh, church offering as well. Cover these people and cover this time. Every scripture we read, I ask you to sow in our hearts and sow in our minds and that you, God, would have your perfect will. Lord, we surrender in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we uh, start, I just, I've had a great expectation for this Beatitude series and just be transparent. I've just expected just really a breakout in the Holy Ghost. And that's just being candidly honest, especially when we get to this prayer and fasting, which is the last this week and next week. Um, I just have a great expectation that God will meet us in a great way if we allow it, you know, because God can move and do, but it, it's all within the constraints of what we surrender and give into, you know, not my will, but thy will be done. And uh, so let go and let God, if we'll react and respond to the Holy Ghost, someone else might throw caution to the wind and who knows what might happen. For if just one person ignites on fire, we lost my flames, Brother Gary. If one person ignites on fire, the coals of fire jump from person to person. What if you are the key to the next outpouring? Simply by completely surrendering to the Holy Ghost. Who cares who's sitting behind you or beside you? Who cares what they may think or say? It just doesn't matter. They can't heal you. They can't save you. They can't redeem you. Only God can. 
So I implore you, throw caution to the wind. The church is in a season that it is time to get out of the ship, out of those places of our comfort zones, of our flesh, and our thoughts, and our minds. The places where we dive into the deep spiritual waters. So let's begin this session. There we go. We're on fire now. Let's begin this session with the echoing words of the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. What does it mean to pray? What is prayer? And we know just from a, a natural perspective, what I'm doing right now constitutes, if I'm talking to God, prayer. It's just communication with God in the natural. That's just simple and easy to understand. But the words prayer and prayer, when we look at the Greek and Hebrew, mean to worship God. And it means to burn incense in worship. This is prayer and prayer, to worship God and burn incense in worship. It also means to judge mentally and officially. This is referring to righteous judgment. Prayer and prayer also means to intercede. And intercede and intercession means to mediate between that person and God to advocate and plead on their behalf. Prayer and prayer also mean to make supplication. Supplication means a prayer request, to humbly beg as in binding oneself. Prayer and prayer also means, the definition's long, prayer and prayer also means to will or wish. And yes, when someone makes a wish, they're literally praying. But what and who is being prayed to? A well, a star, someone in a red suit on a sleigh? A wish is a prayer when we look at the definitions, so we want to be careful about things like that. Prayer and prayer also means a hymn, as in a song or the psalm. For the word is our prayer, and has it not been said for generations, pray the word. If you come to a place in your prayer life and, like, I, I can't think of what to pray, I'm at a roadblock. Anyone ever been at a roadblock? You want to pray, you're trying to pray, and you just can't get your mind there because so much stuff, the weights of life. Open up your Bible and pray the word. The more you press in prayer, the more you push in prayer, praying the word, the deeper you'll get in the Holy Ghost. And the whole peripherals about all the stuff that hinders us from deep prayer is all going to fall to the ground. Has anyone ever started praying and you couldn't feel the Holy Ghost and you just kept pushing and pushing and then all of a sudden, wow, what happened? Sometimes we just got to push a little bit harder ourselves. This comes to self-discipline. If we struggle, this is kind of off notes, but if we struggle with prayer, we should make ourselves pray more. If we're struggling with getting to church on time, we should come a little bit early. If we're struggling with returning the tithe and offering, maybe we should give a little bit more. Do you want to know why I say that? It's self-discipline. If your flesh is fighting you over the spiritual things, we have got to crucify the flesh and subject the flesh and make it come into subjection to the Holy Ghost. If you don't want to pray, make yourself pray. Pretty soon that tongue that you can't control is going to be speaking in a heavenly language, and you're going to be glad you didn't 
go fishing or whatever. Let's look a little bit deeper at the word prayer as it relates to worship and to burn incense before the Lord. God commanded his people to bring an offering of oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense. Exodus chapter 25, verse 6. This sweet incense burned before the Lord was a charge to do throughout all generations, meaning without ceasing even to today. This could be no, there could be no strange fire, no strange incense or strange fire. And there cannot be any other sacrifice there because it has to be pure and clean and uninhibited before the Lord. Exodus chapter 30. We cannot offer strange fire before the Lord as Nadab and Abihu did when they died. Numbers chapter 26. And we cannot have our children pass through the fire. Second Chronicles chapter 33. Meaning we can have nothing to do with what defiles or works abomination or makes a lie. Revelation chapter 21 verse 27. We cannot have any high places or groves in our lives, and these must be utterly destroyed and never built again. When King Asa did this, God gave land the land peace for 10 years, and the people strengthened the things of God. Our charge is to strengthen the things of God. You can read about King Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, 15, and 16. But one note about King Asa, he did great things in his life honorable things before the Lord. But he got sick, and he did not seek God in prayer, but he sought a physician. He sought the voice of man and not the voice of God, and then he died. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12. This is a true example for us today. We have got to seek God for all things at all times. If we're going to go buy a car, we need to pray about it. If you want to buy a house, we need to pray about it. If you go, go buy groceries at the store, you need to be praying to God, cover those groceries, cover your storehouse, and bless it. We put a tank, fill up the car with gas, we should be praying over the gas. He said, pray without ceasing. Give thanks for all things at all times, for this is the will of God concerning you. This same incense spoken of in the Old Testament is seen at the throne of God. And we're not talking about a natural incense that you go in the store and buy and burn. But we're talking about prayer, which is your incense to the Lord, your worship to God. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden veils full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Does someone get that? 
you know, we, we think sometimes when we pray, it's out our mouth and God may or may not hear us. He may or may not answer. We don't know if he even knows our address sometimes. And sometimes we pray and we feel like our prayers are hitting the wall, the ceiling, and they're not going anywhere. I wanted to put a big, <clears throat> a big container up here to kind of demonstrate. I couldn't find what I was looking for, something to demonstrate what happens with our prayers when we pray. But literally, when you read the Word of God and you look into eternity, when you pray, it rises up to heaven and it sits at the throne of God in a veil. This is that sweet odor, that sweet incense before the Lord. God loves hearing your voice. Man, that's deep. God loves hearing your voice call out to him and talk to him. No one on this planet may be there for you, but God is. You may not be able to count on one person on this planet, but you can count on God Almighty. He wants to hear you talk to him. He wants to hear you in the mornings, in the noon hour. He wants to hear you in the evenings. God wants to hear you open your mouth and talk to him. Speak. When I read Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, we talked about the golden vials full of odors. That word odors means incense, the burning of incense and aroma. This is the sweet smell God spoke of in the Old Testament. You know, when the tabernacle God gave the design of it, we look at it in the natural. There's the candlesticks, there's, there's the, the altar, there's, there's each one of these components. There's the veil. There's a purpose for each one that wasn't just for the day and hour, but it's representation of heaven and eternity, every part of it and every piece of it. There are some things when it comes to God that we are not always deeply, we do not always deeply and intimately understand. When you pray, when we pray, this as, as to God is a sweet smell emitting up to the heavens. How many have a favorite food? You smell it, and man, it just, the world stops, okay? There's just nothing better than whatever it is, okay? You love the smell, the aroma. You start smelling it, and you get what? You start getting joy and excitement. You start getting anticipation of taking that first bite. Soon after you have that smell come into your nose, you're going to be consuming it, and it's going to consume you, and you're going to become one. That's actually in my notes. So. <laughs> but this and so much more is the joy and anticipation of God to commune with his sons and daughters. A daddy wants to hear the voice of his kids calling out to him. A daddy wants to hear his kids cry out, I love you. I need you. I want you. I desire you. Help me. David, when he prayed, it's amazing when David prayed. He would do, he would do some very specific things, and you can study this on your own. Lord, teach me. Lord, guide me. Lord, instruct me. It was always again and again, 
Lord, I, I need your precepts. I need your concepts. I need your statutes. I need your ordinances. As a daddy has the joy of teaching his children, we of his children should have the joy of, Dad, teach me. I need you to show me how to be a man of God, how to be a woman of God. Teach me. Have any seen a campfire and a burning candle or maybe even a burning house? What do the flames do? They rise up to the heavens. All the while, the flames are perpetually doing what? A wave offering before the Lord. The waves are perpetually dancing before the Lord. This is Holy Ghost and fire. You were baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. The word fire was not happenstance when God put it in there. There's a purpose. If the wind blows, what does the fire do? It spreads. It grows. The winds of revival. What does the smoke do from the fire? It rises to the heavens. And regardless of the wind blowing, the smoke will always find its way up higher. Always as long as that fire is not extinguished. Maybe that's a lesson for us to always keep a log on the fire. The prayers of the saints are the sweet incense, the smoke that rises up to heaven. You see behind me it waving, dancing. This is our place to demonstrate in the earth. As the smoke is arising from that, that's our place to pray without ceasing, to give no stop, no occasion to cease in prayer. Some may ask, well, how do I pray? And I probably heard that a few times. I don't know how to pray. I, I struggle with it. I've heard this many, many different versions. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, speaking of Jesus, and he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say. Three-letter word, say. His disciples heard Jesus praying, and they were in awe and amazement. They're like, he knows how to pray, and I need him to teach me how to pray. As a father does, that's what he does. God started teaching how to pray, and he gave them that word say. That word say means to speak, to break silence. How many pray out loud? Open your mouth and pray. Okay. So say means to speak, to break silence, to make known one's thoughts, and it means an extended or random herangu. The word herangu means a long and forceful speech. That's good, isn't it? Because we're talking about prayer, not a 30-second prayer. Lord, bless this food, let's eat. But he said a long and forceful speech. What did Jesus say? What, could you not watch and pray with me an hour? That longevity, that lingering in prayer. The more you linger, the deeper you get. The more you linger, the more you hunger and thirst for God. We know God hears and answers prayer, whether it's prayers in the heart or out of the lips. And he hears whether we are praying meek or with great fervency and authority. God hears the voice and heart of his children. The word tells us it is the will of God for us to pray without ceasing to give thanks in everything. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Paul said, without ceasing, I have remembrance of the end my prayers night and day. Romans chapter 1 verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against God in ceasing to pray for you. Pray without ceasing. But I will teach you the good and right way. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 19 and 25. For this text in St. Luke, the Lord is talking to us about getting serious in prayer. Think about the definition, say, a long and forceful speech. God's looking for someone who is passionate for him, someone on fire for him, someone who wants to commune with God more than anything in this world. God is saying, I want someone to be consumed in me, and I in them. There are times for quick and urgent prayers. We all have those. And there are times when we must only pray in our heart and our mind. You know, we may be at our job and just it's a situation with a coworker or something like that. And you, you, don't, you can't get on your knees and on your face there at your job. You've got you to hunker down, get to the job done, but you pray in your heart, your mind. There's times for that. We all have that. Those are always going to be there, but what we're talking about is in the text of St. Luke is when it's time to get serious in prayer, the deep prayer. So let's talk a little bit about what hinders prayer and a few distractions. Anyone ever been hindered in prayer? Maybe distracted just a little bit? First and foremost, our own minds are our greatest hindrance to deep and intimate prayer. Our own minds. So many thoughts and checklists. What's on the stove? What's for supper? What do I need to do at work tomorrow or school? Don't have enough shoes. You know what I mean? Thoughts. Random thoughts. So many. Random. That was random on the shoes. Shoes, but. Some, you know, when they were praying. So I'm going to say something that I, I don't have in my notes because I, I, I should have added this. Lord, forgive me. Sometimes when we're praying, seeking the Lord, worshiping, witnessing, testifying, ministering, you may be on the streets witnessing to someone, whatever it may be. Our mind is our greatest enemy because we overthink and overanalyze things all too often. You know, we wonder... You know, is that person going to think I'm a hypocrite or am I praying? I'm not praying like everyone else or I don't speak in tongues like everyone else. You know, we, our minds just overthink and overanalyze everything. If I pray too loud, they're going to hear me and they're going to know I don't know how to pray. You know, if I pray too loud, someone's going to move away because they're going to think I'm an idiot. We're just getting real here, okay? Our minds are our greatest enemy. We overthink and overanalyze. We're too worried about who's beside us. We're too worried about who can hear us. We're too worried about what someone may think or say. There are perceptions and all. Who cares? The word declares cast down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ second Corinthians, uh, second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 we have to find a way in prayer 
And this comes back to self-discipline. This whole thing, self-discipline, our beatitudes. When we're in prayer and we feel those roadblocks, those distractions, the stinking thinking in our minds, the wondering thoughts and imaginations, we have got to reel it back in and get focused, single focus, single vision, because that's where God's meeting us. God's not looking for us to multitask our prayer life. How many are married in the house? A lot of hands. Everyone else is going to be married one day, Lord willing. How would your spouse do if every time it was time to sit down to eat or tell them that you love them, that they're, they're busy doing everything else, multitasking everything else, and they just, hey, I love you, and that's it for the relationship. There's no intimacy. There's nothing personal. God's looking for intimacy with his children. We've got to cast down that stinking thinking. Every one of us are unique and diverse. How one person prays isn't going to be the same as how someone else prays. The words one person prays will not be the same as another. We're all unique and different. And how one person prays compared to another, how one person speaks in tongues compared to another speaking in tongues, does it make one right or one wrong? We're all unique and different. If God wanted a cloned army of Christians, he would have took Adam and made seven billion atoms that all look the same, that all talk the same, uh, same characteristics, same issues in life. They would be identical. But God did not and does not look for a cloned army. He handpicked you by choice. And as far as speaking in tongues, whatever tongue you speak from God, as the Holy Ghost gives utterance, that's from God. It doesn't matter if it doesn't sound like someone else. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Your tongue is what God gave you. There are more tongues and dialects, probably, than we will ever know. There are languages spoken in this earth that don't even exist today. You could speak in a language because the culture is gone. Simply it. You could speak in a tongue that no one on this planet has ever heard. And if it's of the Holy Ghost, God speaking through you, it's God. God knows all things. Don't worry about if you don't sound like someone else when you talk in tongues. Don't worry about if you can't articulate your prayer and sound eloquent and, oh, Lord God Almighty. You know, you know God's not looking for some great oration to see how good your speaking skills are. You know, he just wants to, you to talk to him. Just talk to him. Is this okay? Brothers and sisters, God made one of you and no more than one of you. That's it. Did we talk about adoption of sons and daughters? Okay. He handpicked you. He didn't make a mistake. He said, of all these people, I pick you. Of all these people, I pick you. He hand-selected his sons and daughters of God. This is so precious to understand. You are, there is only one of you and not more than one of you. Be content with what God has given you. God didn't make a mistake. That's good. God did not make a mistake with you. In the realms of vanity, there is no room for vanity or pride or prayer or anywhere else. 
we are not some great thing. And <laughs> we are not some great thing in spirituality, in wisdom of the word. And I, and I kind of chuckle there because I'm, I've heard so many things through the years. I've heard some say that they uh, didn't have any need of preaching anymore because they knew everything. I'm sorry, but only God knows everything. When we get into prayer, when we get into worship before the Lord, if God uses you to minister to someone and God fills them with the Holy Ghost or God heals them or God raises them from the dead, it's not you. It's God. He just looks for a willing vessel, a conduit. Some trying to pray are distracted by life, but we've got to find singleness of heart, which comes back to self-discipline, removing the distractions. When you pray, you're not only praying, you are forcing the unruly part of your body to commune with God. This comes back to self-discipline, forcing ourselves to pray, getting this tongue, the unruly part, in subjection. This is self-discipline. People do, uh, do not set yourself up for failure. If you do not pray without ceasing today, then it may not be wise to jump in the ocean without a life jacket on. Okay? You might end up drowning. Last week I talked about for those who may not be strong spiritually, you may have to drink some milk for a year to build up strength. Prayer is the same thing. If your prayer life isn't strong and committed and devoted, you may have to drink that milk for a word and build up that strength in prayer to come to that place of being an intercessor, a prayer warrior in those things. But that comes with time and maturity, spiritual maturity. Be aware of situations of people around you that can add or take away from your prayer. Because you can kind of get around people while you're praying that can benefit you and strengthen your prayer life. Have you ever sat by someone who prays with fervency before the Lord, intimately before the Lord, and you heard it and it, it, it got a fire ignited within you, and you went a little bit deeper? Well, in the same realms, you can get around someone that's a wet blanket, and you go from feeling the Holy Ghost to... Where did God go? And this isn't negative or anything, but we all have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's better that if you're at a place that you don't feel the liberty to pray like you should, move over a seat. Go to the next row. And nothing to offend anybody, but when you come into the church, when you come before God in prayer, you have one season, one time, and one chance to receive what God predestined for that very moment. Even in this sanctuary right now, the angel of the Lord has positioned things strategically for this very hour for every single person to receive. And it's up to us to receive it or to not. It is better that you move to the other side of the church for that morning service if you've got to so you can get your mind off or turn to the wall. It's better to remove every distraction and get single focused on God in prayer than to miss out on what could be 
for you and your family. Is this still okay? The word says, iron sharpeneth iron, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. When we had the prayer rooms back here and when we used to have Saturday night family prayer, I was right beside Brother Jason Snavely in a red-hot Saturday night prayer meeting. We were talking about if there had been chandeliers back there, everyone would have been swinging from the chandeliers. And it was on fire. But I was right beside him as we were all praying, and he was praying like I am right now, this tone of voice. Nothing extravagant, nothing loud, nothing. Maybe even a little bit softer. But the anointing I felt felt from him as he prayed left a forever impression upon me. Because there's a time when we need to get loud and rowdy in prayer, and there's a time when that meek and humble prayer is suffice. You've got to determine that time and season. If every prayer meeting you're loud and rowdy, then where's the humility? If every prayer meeting is meek and humble, then where's the charge at the enemy? Where's the charge into battle? I hope, I hope that grabs a hold of someone. Brother Jeff, Brother Jonathan, and I used to sit in the men's prayer room, that little prophet's corner, and we would unintentionally feed off each other again and again and again. It was relentless. We were all following the Holy Ghost. One would say something in prayer, and it sparked a fire in the other two of us. And we would do that just back and forth, not even trying. Iron sharpens iron. I miss Brother Jeff. We got lost in prayer before the throne of God, and we really didn't care who was around us or what they thought or what they said. It just didn't matter. We were engulfed and immersed in the Lord God Almighty because he's all that mattered. Everyone in the church could have probably gone home and we would have been fine just to stay and kept on going. We probably wouldn't even known if everyone left, to be honest with you. What would happen to us if we got to that place each Sunday morning before we step into the sanctuary. What would happen to us if before we came into the sanctuary, we got that intensity and God started drawing people into the church that had never been here? You know, there's many in this church that pray as they drive by the highway and see the word truth on that sign, something spark inside of them for the truth of God. What would happen? In that prayer room, I'd hear Sister Sayward or Sister Bender on the women's side cry out to the Lord, and I could physically feel the connection in the Holy Ghost. Anyone ever have that? Can relate to that? Good. I hear a lot of heads shaking. Iron sharpens iron. So what would happen if we wholly presented ourselves to the Lord in prayer with no thought for who's around us or who hurt us? You're not here to be seen of men. You're not seen here to be heard of men, but that you might see and meet the Lord God Almighty. We edify each other in the things of God, 
And if we don't know how to pray or don't have a strong prayer life, then our charge is to ask God to teach us how to pray. Is that not what the disciples said? Teach us to pray. That's our charge. We can be sure that when God teaches us, we need to apply. We need to listen and apply what God teaches us. A father's good duty is to teach his children, but if he teaches them, they hear it, but they do nothing with it, what profit is there? So we've got to listen, receive it, and apply what God teaches us. Does that make sense? If I tell you how to fish, but you never go out and put it into action, will you ever catch a fish? Okay. How many have started to pray and remember you needed to go do this or that? You got started back to prayer and something else comes up and maybe the phone rings. You hear the ding, 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 whatever the sound is. Pretty soon it's time to go to work or go to school and your prayer time is over. We must be careful to not let distractions get in our way. What we do not have revelation of is God is waiting for us at that time of prayer, that designated time of prayer. It's like making an appointment to go see the doctor, and you make the appointment, you schedule it because you want to go to the doctor, you want to get healthy, something, you know, you need the doctor's help, but you never go to the appointment. Maybe you make the appointment and you bring your, your file cabinet full of issues, and you park it in front of the doctor, you say, well, I got to go, and you leave. How is the doctor going to help you if you just simply park your issues there and you never commune? God's not interested in being treated like a drive through fast food restaurant where people make demands and they go on their way. If your phone and electronics are distracting you, move them to another room. This is prayer, our attitudes. How do I pray? What a prayer, okay? Find a closet to pray in where it's just you and God. Find a country road where there's no people, no buildings, no nothing, just creation and God and pray. And if you've never done this or just going out in the nighttime, out in the country, away from everyone on the planet, get rid of the cell phone, leave it in the car, the moon shining, the stars shining, and just talk to God. It is the most amazing thing to just sit in the beauty of God's creation with nothing from man in the way. Nothing. Just you. I feel the Holy Ghost. Well, I have this whole time, but wow. Makes me want to go out tonight. Um, and last, before we move on, I want to share one thing just, you know, I shared last week that I, through these series, I share a few personal things here and there. When I came into this, I knew nothing. Uh, we grew up no, uh, no church, never heard the name Jesus, there were no Bibles in the house, never knew a scripture, nothing at all, period. Um, had never, uh, just didn't even know who Jesus was, didn't know what the inside of the Bible looked like. And uh, so we had nothing, no preconceived notions of what religion is, church is, or anything. Um, so when I came in, I did something really specific because I knew how to be a man in the world by the definition the world gives of what a man should be. But I wanted to be a man after the definition God gives for what a man should be. 
So I asked God, teach me to pray. Teach me how to fast. Teach me how to worship. Teach me what a godly man is. Teach me what I need to be according to your word. Teach me to be a true man, a holy man, a man of integrity and uprightness of character. Teach me. And this is something that I was diligent and still am today. You know, you'd think when you get older, you'd, you'd mature, but I still feel like I have to have God teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me every single day. For those who maybe didn't grow up in this, or maybe you grew up and you just didn't have revelation, this is sound counsel. Ask God to teach you how to be a godly woman, how to be a godly man, how to pray, how to do the things, how to worship how to love him and, ha- and understand the deepness of his love. He's not in a box, that's for sure. He's not on a shelf. He's not in a building. He fills all time and space. We must pray according to the will of God. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. We've got to be careful what we're praying. Because we can ask for something and it not be according to the will of God. And we're like, God, where'd you go? You know, you're on vacation. You know, did you lose my phone number? But we've got to ask according to his will. John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will that men, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. This is a charge, men. It's a charge to every man, every godly man, every holy man. We must pray without ceasing. Sisters, you must pray without ceasing. There was a disciple whom the Lord loves dearly, I'm going to share a testimony about someone who prayed something that they just didn't realize they were, how they were praying wasn't correct at that moment. But there was a disciple that the Lord loves dearly that their wife had left them. They prayed and fasted 23 days, no food, no water, coupled with intense prayer that God would bring his wife back. God brought her back, but it was not the will of God, and their home suffered at the end because there were issues and things there that he didn't know with his wife we can press hard in prayer and fasting and move the heart of God and him give us something we want and it may not be what we need and we may end up suffering at the end we have to be careful what we pray and what we utter before God and we've got to be careful what we utter and say especially in this sanctuary this holy place We can't pray according to our will, which can be clouded, because what we can be blinded, not seeing the big picture. In prayer, we should try the spirits. First John 4, chapter 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. I say this, for there are many voices in the world bidding for your time, your energy, and your thoughts. The voice of man the voice of self, the voice of the enemy, and then a still, small voice of God in the midst of all that chaos. 
and thinking about church service and pre-service, we're still on, this is prayer. The season should be mature is to be conditioned in prayer, walking in the spirit at home before walking through the doors of the church. You know, the new converts, they're not, they're not there in maturity. They've got to grow into it. But the season should be primed and seasoned at home that when we walk in the house, we don't have to be primed by the pastor, that we're ready walking in the Holy Ghost and truth. For if the season had to be primed so they can minister to others, then the praise team and the pastor are going to have to do double the work in that service to try to get everyone to the place they need to be so that God's will can be accomplished in the people. Does that make sense? And this charge is for the season. You know, the new converts, those who just few days, years, whatever, that's different for them because they're in that process of maturing and growing. But if you've been in this a long time and you know, we should be getting ready at home and not coming to church and God forgive me of all my sins and everything stupid I've ever done. We pray those prayers at home, okay? And for anyone that know me, that's how I pray. God forgive me for being an idiot, okay? I just, I'm, I talk, that's how I talk to God. Forgive me for being dumb. I'm sorry. I know better. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I'm sorry. Prayer meeting before services to pray for what? The service, the praise team, the minister, the dream team, and so forth. And it's to pray for those who are going to be in the church service. I mean, you think about it, every person that walks in this sanctuary, when you're in the prayer room, you're making intercession and supplications and petitions that God's will might be accomplished in the service, that every backslider might turn from their ways and go full place to God, turning from all the world, that every sinner might receive revelation and might be saved. When we're sitting in the prayer room, you can be sure that there will always be people in the sanctuary that their lives are hanging in the balance. And what we do in the prayer room can make a difference on what happens in here and in their lives. Is this still good? Okay. Let's talk about the deep places where there is weeping and howling and mourning before the Lord. This is good, right? So many have passed on that did this, Sister Bender, Brother Jeff, and on and on and on. Just if I, if I listed all the names, it would take too long. We couldn't get through them tonight. There's so many saints that have passed that had that deepness of prayer, that weeping and mourning, howling, wailing before the Lord. Let's look at three quick scriptures, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 6, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Joel chapter 1, verse 13. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how, ye ministers, at the altar. And sisters, this is for you. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 20. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider ye and call for the mourning women, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning women, that they may come and send for the cunning women, that they may come and let them make haste and take up a wailing before us, that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids gush out with water. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O ye women. Let your ear receive the word of his mouth and teach your daughters wailing 
and everyone her neighbor lamentation. Can anyone feel the Holy Ghost? This is a charge. And without that deepness of prayer, without that deepness of wailing and mourning and howling, where is the brokenness of the heart going to come in? If our prayers are, are superficial and we're just treading water, how is the heart of the sinner and the backslider going to be changed if we're just treading water ourselves? Without these deep places, we must all get to our weeping, mourning, wailing, and howling. Our prayers, while heard by God, are only in part, but they are not perfected in the deep spiritual waters. I want to talk a little bit about Friday night. I've already repented to Sister Gilbert because I abandoned her. Her and some ladies, sweet ladies, were doing some work Friday night. And I felt I was supposed to be upstairs. Heard there was a youth rally, youth rally going, a service and all. And I, every time I hear that, I just want to be as close as I can to the youth. I just do. That's where my heart's at. Um, I, I care deeply for our, our kids. So I, I wasn't invited to the youth rally, so I went to a room beside them and sat there and prayed with them, got on the floor and wept with them, worshiped with them. And I heard at one point they got to a place that we're talking about here with that weeping and that wailing, and then I heard tongues. And it just really grabbed a hold of my spirit how deep our kids had gotten in the Holy Ghost. They weren't superficially praying. It wasn't just, Lord, lay me down to sleep. Give me some Cheerios in the morning. You know what I mean? They were getting serious. As Sister Julanta used to say when we'd play volleyball, dirt in the skirt, you know. They were getting serious, okay? They were getting serious. They weren't playing games. And it just, it overwhelmed me, the deepness of the prayer and intercession and worship of our youth. And I want to share that as a testimony for each, for all of you, that our kids are in the hands of God. While we have a charge to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to fast, to teach them how to worship, you can be sure God's teaching them at the same time. You can be sure that God is leading and guiding them at the same time. You would have been proud if you had heard. I was. It was everything I could do to not go in the room with them. Has anyone ever been asked, pray for me? I need prayer. Someone help me. What do we do when those, when those times happen? Yeah, I'll pray for you. We have good intentions. I'm going to tell you today that if you're asked to pray for someone, there's no time better than right that, at that very moment. If you walk away, life can happen. You may get a text message that says Starbucks has a special on coffee and then you get distracted. You know what I mean? Distractions. Get a phone call from your spouse and you got to go do this or that or job you know, issues. Someone call, says, I need prayer. Will you pray for me? That very moment is the time to pray. Can I pray for you now? Well, I don't have time. Okay, I understand. But if they say yes, step out in faith. Pray with authority. Pray with anointing.
pray with fervency. What's the scripture say? The fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What happened with the prophet? He prayed. He prayed fervently. He prayed diligently. And it did not rain. No one got rain at all. And it became a drought. Because one man fervently prayed. What would happen if this church as a whole fervently prayed? What would happen to Denison? What would happen to Grayson County, our community, if we as a body fervently prayed without ceasing? Times and seasons come, and you may have good commitments, good intentions, I will, I'll pray, but times and seasons happen for every one of us. Things come up. Right then's the time. If you pray at that moment, it may invoke God to the situation, and who knows what God might do in that situation. If that person's words were just words, because we know some people will just say, pray for me, and it's not, not really looking for prayer. It's just a catchphrase they use and say. They may walk away the same as they've always been. You can't do anything about that. But what if that person is really broken? What if that person is in desperate need at that very moment and God has strategically placed you at that very place with that very person to minister to them? We can't miss these opportunities. We've got to seize them. It doesn't matter if you're at work, at school, at the grocery store, wherever. Seize the moment if God opens the door. For if you don't, and I'm going to tell you this, this is a... keep making notes because I'm stopping. I have been in this sanctuary and God has told me to go pray for someone and I argued with God and said, is it really you or is it me? Is it my flesh? God, do you really want me to? And the devil's not going to tell you to go pray for someone. You get a thought in your mind, well, maybe I need to fast. Well, the devil's not going to tell you to fast. The devil's not going to tell you to worship God. The devil's not going to tell you to go dance in the altar before the Lord. You can be pretty sure if that's crossing your mind, you just need to step out into the water. You're not going to sink. You won't sink. It doesn't matter if no one else does. We need more time. It just doesn't matter if anyone else does or doesn't. I mean, I hope everyone would. But if God's prod in your spirit, you feel that unction in the Holy Ghost, just follow God. If no one else does, follow God. How do I pray for someone if they, if I don't know they have fulfilled the plan of salvation while not offending them? Anyone ever come to that situation? You want to pray for someone on the streets? You don't know if they've been baptized. You can't tell. Sometimes people have wishy-washy, riding a fence. You know, you just don't know. And you don't want to offend because with our words, we can draw them in. And with our words, we can push them away. So we have to be careful of the choice of words we say, especially ministering to the lost and the dying. If you don't have time to ask them, just incorporate it in your prayer. Lord, if they do not know you in the power of your might and resurrection, then God grant them revelation that they might see and hear to receive the promise. You can just incorporate it in the prayer. That way God already hears your prayer and you haven't potentially lost someone that you could win. He that winneth souls is wise. 
We want to be wise stewards. God answers prayer one of three ways. Praise God. Yes, no, or wait. It's real simple. God answers prayer, yes, no, or wait. We love the yes answers because we're getting what we want. We're happy kids. We're okay with the no because if God says no, that means he knows there is something better for us or he's protecting us from something. Okay? It is a good thing when God says no to your prayer because he is protecting you or he has something greater. But when he says wait, well, we get, we get crazy. The silent treatment, the silent treatment drives us mad. We get all catawampus, and that word's in my notes too. We think God doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't have my address, my cell phone, or my email. He forgot what I look like. He must have lost my picture. Or we question ourselves and ask, did I really pray? Or did I pray like I was supposed to? You know, we're always questioning ourselves. We need to get rid of the, those thoughts that do not glorify God and do not edify the things of God. Is this still okay? We just need to stop the madness. That is in my notes. If you have prayed or prayed and fasted and God has not answered, then keep praying. When you read in Daniel, and I won't read this text for time, but Daniel chapter 10, Daniel had prayed and prayed for three weeks and didn't hear an answer. And then finally, after three weeks, the angel showed up and said, God heard you on the first day. But I've been fighting all of hell to get to you, to bring the answer. And now I'm going to go back and I'm going to be fighting all the way back to God. There is a real war happening before us. I'm going to stop there. I want to share something because I think testimony is good. We've got two minutes and Lord willing, I'll try to hurry and we'll pick up where we left off. I was up here once on July 4th praying out behind the church. And it's July 4th. There's no one up here. I just want to come up and pray. So I'm in the parking lot, and I'm prophesying to the wind. I'm prophesying to the east, the west, and the north-south wind for some things very, very specific. And as I'm facing the, the west prophesying to the wind, I felt a prompt in the Holy Ghost to turn around and face the church. And I turned around and faced the church, and the entire parking lot was completely full of people all clothed in white robes all the way to the ground, ground, completely full. And this is something I saw with my eyes, not I felt like or I think or I physically saw it. Twice that day, I went and prayed three times in the church that day, and twice I saw that. And God quickened me. What's the scripture say? We're encompassed with so great a cloud of witness. God allowed me to see that great cloud of witness. Every person covered in that white, ground, white gown of salvation, that white gown of holiness, covered all the way to the floor. One more, because I know we're at time. Is it okay, one more real quick, and then we'll pray? Okay. So I, I, shared, I shared this with another brother on Sunday morning. I was up here, coming up here to pray another day, no one at church. I walk in the men's prayer room door, or I, I leave my car to start coming in, Clear, beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. And I felt a prompt in my spirit to look to the left, and I looked, and I saw a devil running toward the church because he realized the door was about to be opened 
And the devil would love any more than to get in the church. And I'm with my eyes, I physically see this. And all I can do is what the scripture says. I said, in Jesus' name. And instantly, the devil vanished. And this showed a couple things. One, the devil, what, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's always looking in the church. At the name of Jesus, he vanished. When we're praying and in the Holy Ghost, there are things happening spiritually that we don't realize and see and know and understand. I have been in this sanctuary praying when no one's in the building. And when there's a door there, the door physically opened and closed multiple times. And I looked and I saw translucent people sitting in the sanctuary. I'm talking about with my eyes, not I feel like or I ate Taco Bell, you know. <laughs> physically saw it. I was in the prayer room one time and I know I said I'd quit. I was in the prayer room praying, same thing, no one in the church. And I was about to teach when we had the Emblem Hall. I was about to teach over there, so I came up, do some praying, and, um, and I feel someone walk behind me. You know how it feels when someone walks behind you and they, you feel that little gush of wind? Okay, so I'm kneeling down praying, and I feel that gush of wind. Someone walked by me, and no one's in the building. The alarms, you know, the little chimer do me hickeys on. Um, and I feel it again. And I'm like, there's someone walking behind me, but there's no one in this building. And he came and sat down beside me, and I got up, and I put my hand where his hand was, and I felt in the Holy Ghost it was the Apostle Paul walking in the church. And I, even right now I feel the Holy Ghost just sitting here remembering it. We are encompassed with so great a cloud of witness. And, if, and I, I could take an hour to tell you about the volume of angels I've seen, like with my eyes. Angels of heaven and angels not of heaven. The real. You may never see it in your life or you may see a thousand of them. But this is very real. I told you I'd quit with three after. Will you all please forgive me? Next week when we come back, we'll pick up here. We're going to continue in prayer and we're going to uh, dive into fasting. And we're going to talk about the two types of fast, fasting pitfalls, things to avoid. Um, and we're going to talk about some health things for fasting. Uh, is this okay tonight? Please, please forgive me for going over. I'm sorry. I repent in Jesus' name. Um, Lord, I ask you to cover each one of us in your blood. Cover our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our motives, and our, our intentions. Every single aspect of our life. I pray, God, liberty to flow under your people. Liberty in prayer, liberty in worship, liberty in reaching the lost and the dying that they might be saved. God, you gave us this anointing. You gave us this calling, and you called us, God, to be faithful with our first love, you, that we might fulfill and complete the work that you started in the earth. You anointed us, and you said greater signs than these shall you do. Lord, we call on you between a porch and an altar that you would anoint every one of us from the crown of the head 
to the sole of the feet, that you, God, would meet us in a way like we have never been able to comprehend with our minds. Take us out of the places, God, of comfort. Take us out, God, of the places where we're, we're so stuck. God, take us into the heavenlies, out of the places, God, of this world, our thoughts, our imaginations. I pray, God, virtue from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet. God, let anointing overflow your people, Lord, from the top to the soul. Let liberty flow unto your people. Let an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire overtake us. Everyone, old and young, man and woman, adult and youth, God, you know you established us, you formed us, you created us for your name's sake and for your glory. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. If you believe God and you desire a deeper relationship, say amen.